Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 405 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers with a horse voice again and here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. It just seems to be your condition in life these days. It's just been a winter of colds. Yeah. Um, I, I know I'm not alone in that. You're catching and... up. You're making up for lost mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully the listeners can put up with me today. I feel good. I just uh, am not in full voice. Also, episode 405, it's usually you who comments on the numbers, but as a Californian, I just have to give a nod to the 405. In... The 405? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where do you take the 405? Is it like from Ventura to like, I don't know, where would it where would it take you? Well, I used to take the 405 a lot from Orange County up through LA to the 101 and home to Santa Barbara. Now I live in Santa Barbara and I try never to take the 405. But if I had to go to LAX, I'd take the 101 to the 405. Would you swing by the home depot? <laughs> You should oh, probably gosh. you should probably cite that reference if people are yeah confused. it's the Californians that's an old skit but this at this point that's it's old like six yeah. or seven years old isn't it I was not watching SNL regularly when that when that cast was on I do watch SNL now almost every time but that was in a phase of my was life it like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig right yes Kristen Wiig um, and those are the two whose faces I can picture wait Fred Armisen maybe or Fred no Armisen was yeah. in, yes he was in it like I don't know that he was in all of them but he was um and they would just talk about taking the 405 to the 101 and there was a really funny um one of the guy's names I feel like it was Derek yes and so Kristen Wiig's character would be like Derek it's gonna be totally jammed 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which I don't even live in California and I've only traveled, you know, I don't travel there very often, but I get, I understand the reference, even though I don't live it. It's, it's funny. Yes. And I don't live in Los Angeles, but I'm adjacent enough and have been adjacent enough that it feels like familiar speak. Wow. That was a two and a half minute um, detour. And we're not talking about anything California or driving or traffic related today. We're talking about motherhood mission statements, which is a total departure from where we just were. So we're just going to be going back and forth and sharing some statements that feel to us individually now, not like representing all moms, but um, as statements that could inspire um, our mothering or give us something to aspire to. And this is really tricky because to say a mission statement to me, I think of like corporations and businesses Mm. and like, this is the way we operate over here. And motherhood is nothing like that, as we know. Um, But on the other hand, I like the idea of having some tenets, if you will. So what do you think? I want to make it really clear that these are not actual written mission statements that we are operating from. Our families are not aware of. It's not like this is like on the wall and our families are, you know, high-fiving it on the way out to school in the morning or something like that. I don't know about your family, but that is not my family. Um, These are more things that when put on the spot to come up with statements that inspire what we hope to be as moms, this is what comes out. Now, Sarah, I do want to ask a question of you that um, I did not know I was going to ask until just now. So I apologize. I didn't give you any time to think about this. But would you say the few that you've written down today to discuss are things you've known since day one or things that have emerged as you've been a parent for all these years now and can look and say, oh, this is what really works for me as you've gotten to know yourself better as a mom? Because I think it's very different coming in what you might say versus like later. And I'm curious what the through lines have been. I think the ones I wrote down are very much an earned and learned perspective as having been a mom for almost 15 years, having done some therapy work in the last couple of years. So no, there's a couple that probably uh, their roots trace back and maybe I kind of started motherhood this way, but no, I think this is like a hindsight is 2020. Oh yeah. That's the kind of mom I want to be. Oh, right. because I've learned a few things. Um, yeah. How about you? I, well, I almost feel like if I went back, it would be really hard for me to even remember going back in time, 25 years. I think the overall feel was probably the same. Like the mm-hmm. feeling was there. I would not have been able to put almost any of this into words. You know, it was like a sense that I was trying to get to, but I couldn't have told you how or what the things were that I did, like the how to embody that. I wouldn't have been able to say. Yeah. And I think it's really normal to also just not have the time or headspace to think through these things. Yeah. Maybe some new moms do. Um, if you're working with a counselor or you're part of a faith community or you have like a, a journal, a guided journal, maybe there are times when you've put down in writing what's important to you in motherhood. But I guess I don't want to make anybody feel bad if you've like never done that. And like you said, Megan, we're not even talking about family mission statements today or anything that our families would buy into. These are very personal mission statements. We are literally workshopping with you all in real time from this vantage point we have of having been doing this for a long time. So maybe yeah. that will maybe that will help others. Um, I have to read this quote from Catherine Newman's book, Catastrophic Happiness. Catherine Newman is um, a writer we've both read. I mean, she started out kind of an essayist, right? I mean, she's, she's, I feel like she was a mom blogger before there were mom bloggers. Yes. 
and you she know now has yeah. she has a novel for adults she has a novel for middle grade readers she has nonfiction books she writes for real simple regularly and a cup of joe she's everywhere but her book catastrophic happiness is a memoir that's kind of about i would say the middle years of motherhood i think her kids were kind of tween elementary age i read it when my kids were tiny and remember thinking it was looking ahead but at most she maybe had young teenagers so it yeah. was it's a while and this is the quote i I come back to it so often because I just think it's beautifully written, but she says, the parent I want to be floats in and out of my life. And some days it speaks through me and other days I lunge after it. Like it's a shaft of sunlight I want to capture. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that because I think in at some gut level, we, we know the kind of moms we hope to be. And what's so frustrating is that like, like she says, some days it just flows. It's like you don't have to try for it. You don't have to aspire right. to it. You don't have to have it on your wall in a cute font. It's just you just embody it. And then other times it feels so far away. You're like, why did I ever think I could be that kind of mom? Like I'm I'm so far from that ideal. And it's it's unpredictable. It's like some some, some days sometimes you got in the it, same some day. Days you don't. Yes. Sometimes in the same day you'll go like from that high feel like where things are kind of lined up. Maybe you're you're well rested. Your kids are, you know, like you're all having you're all in your flow, whatever that yes, looks like that in your flow. family. And then it just for whatever reason sometimes within minutes flops and that yeah. can be really demoralizing. Yes. So, yeah. I guess that's the that's the topic for today is that kind of that lunging after the mom we want to be, but gently lunging yeah. gently. <laughs> yeah. And I guess one thing I just want to mention is I know for myself that not lunging gently, like a violent grasping lunge in my life has meant sometimes I double down on an ideal to the extent that it becomes no longer ideal. Like it becomes some kind of zombie version of itself mm. to use the lurching, lunging um, imagery. I feel like all of these are, uh, like they're like a coin with two sides or a double edged sword or something like when used, when used in the right way, in the right, um, I don't know, like in the right quantity, the right ratio potency, whatever it does create that flow. And then sometimes there is the temptation to, to tell yourself, this is who I am. This is the mom I want to be. And then take it like to the, to the extreme level where actually that it works at cross purposes with the mom you want to be. And I think sometimes, yeah, like all that idealizing can either make you go so far in that you've come all the way back around to where you started, or you can say, you know, I'll never be this person. I'm just going to give up and throw my hands up in the air. Right. If, if a mission statement feels too much like a pass fail scorecard, yeah. then I think it can set you up for a lot of, um, yeah, kind of like self-criticism. Um, I mm -hmm. tried the ones we're going to go through today. I tried again, cause I've been doing this a long time and I'm actively in therapy. I tried to write mine in such a way that I can't really like fail at them. They're not, they're not a scorecard or something that can be like aced or achieved to perfection. Yeah. They can kind of be true on the best of days and the worst of days. So that was sort of like the mindset I tried to have with mine. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. 
Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah, before we dive into these, I have to say that one thing I thought was interesting now that I'm looking at our, we each have five, and I don't know if we'll get to all five, but um, that's what we wrote down. Mine are all action-oriented, and yours are all being, like Mm. who you are. And I don't know that that was, I don't know that that means anything besides that's just the tense or whatever that we chose to write these in, but I thought that was interesting especially compared to what you said a few minutes ago that um, that for you, these are things you can't fail at because they're not things you're doing or not doing. They're just things that you embody. Yeah. A way, a way I want to be, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And for maybe for the listener, here's how we went about this. Um, The prompt we gave ourselves was just a simple sentence starter. And it's as a mom, mama, I blank. And what's funny is sometimes, Megan, when we are setting up an episode outline, we see what each other's working on. Like we kind of we develop the, the episode content in real time with each other and we'll think, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to do something similar over here. But we didn't like you came up with your mission statements and I did mine like in my journal. So we didn't um, have each other's in mind. We weren't working when, collaboratively like we often exactly, do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I like. I like for this practice. Yeah. I do, too. Well, let's just go back and forth. Um, and so you can finish the sentence as a mom, I, and then what you got? Yeah. Well, my first one was um, put the relationship first. And I will say that this is one that I think I came to pretty, again, I don't know that I could have put words to it, 
but I came to it pretty early as a mom. I think I grew up in a what might have seemed on the surface like a very no nonsense household where, you know, we were pretty obedient. I think my parents were a little old school. They were both born in the 40s. Like they're just I don't remember there being a lot of wiggle room for um like disagreement with yeah. what the rules were. Sure. And so I thought I would really kind of come in. I had these ideas about the parent I would be that be like very no nonsense, very much like my way or the highway kind of a thing. And it didn't take me long to realize two things. One, that is not the kind of parent I wanted to be. And and the more books I read that were very authoritarian, the more uncomfortable it made me. But the second thing was that actually I didn't really grow up in an authoritarian household. My interpretation, because my mom had a very no-nonsense demeanor and because the style was very no-nonsense. But we were, it was not a rule heavy household and it was not a like parenting out of fear or like mm. strong discipline household yeah, control. Like that yeah. was, yeah, that was my interpretation as a, a then 19 year old when I was pregnant with my first. But then when I had a baby and then later a baby and a toddler, I was like, oh no, that's not what that was. And, and, and what I really want is something that approximates that sort of like cool, um, in in control, confident demeanor, yet making decisions through the lens of a long-term relationship. And so I, I just started rejecting like every piece of advice that wasn't that. And that happened pretty early for me, actually. I love that so much. I love the way that you just said that. Um, and yeah, I think that's a great one to kick it off. Well, as a mom, I am willing to be surprised. And this is something I am Still learning. And so that's why I phrased it. As I was going to say, I, am, I feel like this one came probably took a while for you to yeah, come to. I don't yeah. like surprises. Here's what it means to me, though, because I'm going to unpack the word surprise. I don't like surprises like surprise parties. And I have a hard time dealing sometimes with life's surprises like surprise. Your car doesn't work when you go out to take the kids to school in the morning or like surprise, like no one packed the swim goggles. My kids right. still refuse to go in a swimming pool without goggles. And they are 14, 12, and 10. That's a side story. Um, so those kinds of surprises have always been hard for me. And some of the reframing that I have tried to do around life's surprises, big and small, um, is that if you remove the possibility of those unpleasant surprises, you also don't get the delight in life's very pleasant surprises. And so mm. I am, I'm, I'm stating this as if I am, but really this is aspirational. I want to be always willing to be surprised by maybe a positive outcome instead of a negative one, because I can anticipate and um, have that kind of anticipatory anxiety. So I'm, I'm willing to be surprised by who my kids become, how they show up every day, what outfit they put on. Um, and, and not just willing to be surprised, but really working toward delighting in the surprise that is parenting children, because we know we can't predict or control or anticipate it. That's clear. So, um, I, as a mom, am willing to be surprised. And when I am willing, I'm often really delighted by those surprises. I love that. Um, I want to go back really quick because this is the first one we've each done and just um, posit (laughs) that 
there are places where these um, mission statement statements can maybe become for our personality type, maybe a little problematic. So first of all, I'm just going to say, I do not always succeed at putting the relationship first. Sometimes I find myself putting my relationship with other people or my perceived, like my perceived value as a parent first. So it's like, it's something I'm always working on. It's not like, because I declare it, it is so. But I will also say that having adult kids now, I sometimes feel that it makes it possible for me to become a bit of a doormat. So I'm just saying that like Mm. these all can have dark sides. Um, A relationship with your kids is no, is, is very different from relationships with other people and that it has to be primary and you have an obligation and responsibility to your kids. You don't have with anybody else. However, it's not different from your relationship with say, you know, a sibling or a friend in that it, it's a two way street and Um, you can have expectations of the other person. So it's like, that's been a tougher one for me to figure out as my kids have gotten older. And I'm like, okay, well now what can I expect in reciprocity? Like what reciprocity can I expect? What can I expect to come back to me? That's different now when they're, um, 13, 17, you know, 19, 23 and 25 than when they were 10 years younger. Yeah. That's a really good point. And that like catchphrase of boundaries, like you don't think of, well, I shouldn't say that there are definitely boundaries we set in the relationship with our younger children for sure, but they look really different and they're more, (laughs) but with a 25 year old, there may be, like you said, expectations, reciprocity and boundaries in a more adult parent child relationship. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Well, my next one is one that I think, um, has been very, very easy at times and much, much harder at times. And that is, um, as a mom, I give my kids space to figure things out. Now, when it's things that I don't have a particular interest in the outcome of, um, that's easy because I'm a pretty laid off, like laid back, hands off mom. You know, I'm, I don't, I've never really been, um, really micromanaging or controlling about most of it. But it's way harder when it's something that I fear is going to be a big deal for them. Yep. Is going to paint me in a bad light. Like there are things that I, where I will do almost a 180 on that. And I think it's, I think when you're, when you're one way most of the time, and then you like switch kind of randomly and unpredictably, that's almost more confusing. Like if I was controlling and micromanaging all the time, my kids would know that. But the fact that I'm not 90% of the time and then occasionally am, I think it's more like, wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, that's both like a, it's like a superpower, but also, um, like a risk factor or something. Well, and I mean, this is such a hard one and I so agree. And I've had it like part of my identity that I give my kids space to figure things out that I don't rush to rescue them. Like, and then when I realize there are ways in which I'm actually doing the opposite, I'm like, no, yeah. that's not me at all. Yeah, that's it's such a tricky one. And it, I'm finding it yeah. so tricky as they get older, like everything you said, when the stakes are higher um, and when the mistakes are more public, it's yep. yeah, yeah, that's hard. That and, and I think also I've now had an, I have enough older kids that I can look back and say, oh, were there times that I gave my kids space to figure things out, but I gave them too much space? And of course, I'll never know. I have yeah. no idea. But I can now look back and, and really Monday morning quarterback myself. Um, yeah. 
about that tendency or uh, preference that I guess yeah. I would say I have. All that said, I still keep it in my toolbox, my mission statement toolbox, because I yes. think the net win is higher for yes. having done that. Yeah. And, and that's a good, it's a good time to point out that like, as we get to choose the degree to which we employ or lean on these mission statements, like it doesn't mean that because you said, I am a mom who gives my kids space to figure things out. It doesn't mean that sometimes you're not <laughs> like, right. Yeah. You, you know, there's, there's room to slide along that uh, sliding scale. Okay. For me, I am a mom who is part of a bigger system. And I feel mm. that this needs some explanation. Um, I can falsely believe a lot of the time that I am by myself and that it is upon me to know everything, figure everything out. And that also with a bit of like ego and hubris that I am in charge of. So there's kind of two sides to that, right? It's like the, the assumption of a burden that no one put upon me that I it, am by myself to do all the things. But then there's also this sort of like more ego driven part, which is like I am in charge of all the things and um, the most important. And so I am reminding myself with this one, and I truly believe it is true that as a mom, I am part of something much bigger. You could read that from a sort of cosmic or faith based place that there is a kind of there are larger forces at work than little me on this spinning planet. And mm -hmm. you can also read it as um, truly an interconnected web of relationships that is a family system, that is a community system, that is a school community. Um, I am a better mom when I remember and rely upon and benefit from, am enriched by the larger system that of course I am a part of. Of course I am not an island. Um, and so that's, that's what that one is about. All right. I, I love that, especially the, that it can be, it can relate to you and your partner and your child, or it can relate to your interpretation of the cosmos. Like yeah. you are not the first to be doing this yeah. thing called motherhood. Um, you will not be the last. You are not the only one doing like, there's so much happening, not only that's impacting you, but that like your purpose is here to serve. It's not like if all of our purposes were just to churn out one perfect child and that was it, think of the pressure, but that's not really yeah, what we're right. doing here. We're creating an embodied human thing, you know? Yeah. So, and we're yeah. not doing it alone. Even if you right. are doing it more alone than I am, um, and there are, we do have, completely solo parents, par people who are parenting in a very solo way who listen to this podcast. But even so, I would argue that every mom is part of some larger plan, larger system, interconnectedness um, yeah. that we benefit from and that that system benefits from us. So it goes both ways. Love that one. All right. Well, as a mom, I create a joyful home. Um, this has been a big one for me. I want to say like once I was outnumbered by children and started to realize that I couldn't control their behavior. I couldn't necessarily control how a day went for them, each of them individually. 
But what I could kind of control to some degree was the container we lived in. And I don't mean create a perfectly organized home or create a really clean home or, you know, any of those, I'm not saying a beautiful home. I'm just saying a home where there is a, that is imbued with a sense of joy more than anything else Mm -hmm. Um, on, like on the balance. And it does feel like something I can, to some degree, influence. Even when everything else feels out of my control. Do you think that this came relatively naturally to you? I mean, I think of you as a pretty joyful person. Um, Or were there seasons where this has been more difficult? Because you've also definitely. Yeah, well, definitely. Like, I feel like it comes naturally and it's been the times when it's been hardest to do that it re- that I'm reminded by how um, important it is to me, not just because I think it's important to the p- other people living in my home, but because it is important to my ability to enjoy my family and yeah. my ability to enjoy my life. Like if I don't feel like my, if I feel like my home is kind of dead and stale and it's felt that way before and it's really hard to describe what that feels like, uh-huh. but where there's just no life in it. Um then I'm, I don't want to be there. Yeah. And then the whole thing falls apart. Like yeah. a house where mom doesn't want to be in it is not a happy house where either parent doesn't, where anybody doesn't yeah. want to be in it, um, isn't a happy house. So like, that's, I think I keep coming back to it because I've, when it's hard to achieve, I have felt its absence. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm just thinking as you're talking, this is such a hard one to, it's so tricky because now in our mothering culture, when we think of home, we immediately think of visuals. Like you yes. said, the organization system, the decor, the messes or the lack of messes. And, you know, that is one of the real downsides to visual social media like we have so ever present. But when you're talking, it's like has nothing to do with the visuals. Nothing. It nothing. is truly no, an energy. literally not at all. It has nothing to do with the size. It has nothing to do with how yeah. updated it is. It has nothing to do with whatever organization system I'm using or not. Um, it, I would say there is something to routines happening within it, but even those yeah. don't have to be perfectly dialed in. They just have to sort of exist and, the, and, um, and like to a level that gives us all stability and security. And those are also hard to manifest visually. So it's almost like it, this is a thing that is hard to share with another mm. mom or to even explain what it looks like. Cause it doesn't look like yeah. anything. It's yeah. No, you just know when it's not there. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that shaft yeah. of sunlight from the quote. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You're just after it. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the mom hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, our place. In fact, you, me and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. 
In addition to their cookware and tableware, our place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. Well, my next one is truly a corollary to my last one. So that might be that might be an indicator of how fundamental these two are um, for my, I guess, wellness stability. Um, so my last one, um, was that as a mom, I'm part of something bigger, part of a bigger, larger system. And my next one is as a mom, I am not responsible for everything. And this, I mean, is probably the refrain that can make a difference in how I feel Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. I have a tendency to believe I am responsible for everything. And I, need the constant reminder that I am not. So that's why it's a mission statement. It's a true statement and it's sort of aspirational for me. Yeah. Tell me how this is different in your experience from as a mom, you are part of a bigger and larger system. What is that? How do those two work together and how are they different? Yeah. So actually this one, as a mom, I am not responsible for everything kind of reminds me of the one you had of as a mom, I give my kids space to figure things out. Um, It feels like more about reminding myself where I stop and other people begin, which gives my kids space to figure things out, gives my partner space to be his own type of parent. Um, It feels a little bit more about boundaries um, and also about um, not taking on responsibilities that nobody gave me, um, assigning myself mental load and emotional labor that nobody asked me to assign myself. Um, and that just remembering that there are, these are, I'm living with independent, interdependent beings who are their own. Um, they are their own people. They are responsible to a large degree for their own experiences and emotions. I know with little kids, we are also 
helping them frame those, of course, which is why boundaries get so messy. I think when you're a mom of really little kids. So that's kind of what I mean by I'm not responsible for everything. And then the other one of being part of a bigger, larger system, I think does get into a little bit more of that interconnectedness, that um, opportunity that motherhood gives us to serve others and rely on others and be part of a community Mm -hmm. and a school and um, a faith tradition. So that one feels a little bit more um, broad, I guess. Did that make sense? Yes, it it totally does. It's it, this one is really more about the day to day things happening under your roof mm-hmm. and your your shared responsibility for those things. Or, I mean, maybe it also means sometimes you can just kind of butt out of it because it's yeah. not not only are you not responsible, but it's not even your problem or your business in yeah. some cases. Well, and let yeah. me give like a very a very like specific mom example because some of these ideas we're talking about get a little lofty, like. If I decide that once my kids are in sixth grade and beyond, they pack their own lunch, which I did decide that, um, I have decided that I'm no longer responsible for packing lunches. What will happen is then kids won't pack their lunch or they'll eat junk or they'll pack junk or they'll go hungry. And there is a temptation to still feel responsible for the way they feel about packing their lunch. Yeah. Maybe they're really grumpy about it um, to feel responsible for what they choose to put in their mouth holes during the day. Well, <laughs> I have chosen. So it's like, it is that constant reminder of um, I get to choose what I'm responsible for. And it's probably less than it needs to be. Does that like that? That's just a little example of yes. Um, once I, my goal is, to turn out these independent beings. And as I hand over independence, I am releasing myself of responsibility. And that is really hard. Hence the mission statement to remind. Well, this one completely dovetails with my next one. They're they're like sister um, Mm -hmm. aspirations. And this one's very hard for me. So as a mom, I don't take anything personally. Um, yeah, I do. (laughs) I was going to say, So this is all very aspirational. Here's the funny thing. I don't really take emotional outbursts personally. I, you know, like my kids were little and they would, they didn't say I hate you very often, but you know, those kinds of things that I guess a lot of moms would be like, Ooh, that's really, what do you mean? That's really hurtful. Those kinds of things wouldn't hurt my feelings because I would look at that and think, well, this is a kid being a kid. They don't really mean it. I'm not going to take that personally. So by taking things personally, it's more kind of like what you were just saying. Like, it's my personal deal, like taking their feelings personally. Like I had something to do with it. Even if they're not blaming me, I still am tempted to blame myself. It can become, I think you and I were talking about this recently where we were talking about, it can become very codependent. Like I'm trying to save them from their feelings because I'm taking their feelings personally, even though their feelings have nothing to do with me. I didn't cause them. I am not the savior of them. Like I can't control them. Um, so it can mean a lot of things. And with older kids, sometimes it is a little bit of a bummer that I get this vague sense that I'm kind of being made fun of. (laughs) And I can't tell why, because I don't understand their slang. Like I just, I feel a little irrelevant sometimes, not because they're being mean to me, but because I'm mom. And that makes me sort of the butt of a joke in a lot of ways. 
And part of me loves that they bond together and that I am a little extraneous. Like that's my goal for my kids. Yeah. But at the same time, there's part of me kind of hovering around, but like, but like, I'm cool too. Right guys. And no, they don't think I'm cool. Yeah. They absolutely don't think I am. They, they yeah. think I'm, a, they think I'm a good mom, but that's about the best I can do. Um, so it's both. It's like taking it personally that I'm not the center of their worlds anymore. I'm not the sun they orbit around anymore. I'm not like the, I'm not the monarch. I'm not the queen on the throne. I'm now more just like, I don't know. I'm like the, the city manager that they tolerate because they want their budget passed. Yes. For now, for right for now, now, that's what no, you're you are. totally yeah. right. And when they're yeah. older, I know now from experience that my older kids genuinely like me and want to spend time with me. Yes. And I also think my teenagers do too. It's just a different, feels different. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is one of the hardest things, I think, not to take all of this personally when it, it, it they start out as literally part of our person if we right. grew them. <laughs> right. Um, and that constant separation that's happening from the very beginning and keeps on happening is like dying a million tiny deaths. And it, yeah. that is a hard thing not to take personally. So I think it, it belongs on the wall on the t-shirt. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, my next one is three, it's a three in one, um, but it felt like a nice mission statement. So as a mom, I am safe, solid and soft. And so I like I, the alliteration. Thanks. Thanks. It just kind of came out. Um, I want to be a safe place and provide a safe place. Um, and by solid, I think that's an extension of safe. Um, I want my home to feel always safe, really from truly from, you know, actual physical threats of life and limb, that kind of safety, um, but also safety to be one's self, safety to have big emotions to melt down. Um, I think there's like a, a thing we all do as humans where we put on a little armor when we leave the house because mm. we have to take on the world and kids do that for sure. And if you've ever had a kindergartner who just loses their you know what every single day after school, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with the school? They hate the school. No, they just feel safe and they've kept it together all day on the rug, their little wiggly butt, and it comes, it spills out at home. So yeah. it, it doesn't look the same for 14 year olds as kindergartners, but I want my home to be a safe place for that messy unflattering uh, parts of being a kid and a human. I want it to be solid and I want to be solid in that I really want, and this is something I'm working on because I don't think this is currently the case. This is aspirational. I want my kids to believe that I'll be okay even if they come to me with something enormous or if they've really truly screwed up. I think there's a thing where a lot of kids then protect their parents. I know I did. I didn't think my mom could handle something. So I either lied or covered up or just didn't, just didn't come up. And so that, th these are all things I'm working on in adulthood. So by solid, I mean, not that my kids think I'm never going to cry or be worried. Of course. I, I mean, I'm a human, but I want, I want them to feel like they can bring me really gnarly stuff and that I can stand on two feet and 
take it from them with them and not fall apart. Um, and then with those two safe and solid, I thought, yeah, but those sound really kind of tough. And I yeah. also want to be stoic. Mm-hmm. We want to throw another S in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, and I also want to be soft. I think it's easy to be soft for little tiny kids because they literally crawl into you and you are kind of squishy and soft and they like your boobs and everything is soft. Um, and with bigger kids, the boundaries like we've been talking about, like they're yes. you, so it's hard to maintain softness. And I am not a particularly soft personality, but I want to be. So to me, that means showing a t- more tender side. So safe, solid and soft. Um, I think, first of all, I love that. I love those, the combination of the three and how they interplay together. And I think uh, in a recent episode, maybe I was talking about how when my kids have reached a certain age, I've realized that I'm not touching them as much. And then I have to like make myself, even though I'm with little ones and even up until 11, 12, very huggy, very snuggly soft. There does come a point in the teen years where that doesn't come as naturally, even if it is very natural to you. And I think you have to almost go against your, the thing that's telling you they don't want me near them. You have to sort of just shove it aside and go near them anyway. Yeah. And um, it's like, you feel like there's like this weird, um, like a wall around, like an invisible wall around them, but actually you can walk through it. It's yeah. just that Ooh, they've maybe that. constructed it, but oh, we do have the like power such to. such a good image. Yes. Yeah. 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 Can you see it in your mind? Like, yes. it's like, yes. And, you know, sometimes it's like, I'll go up to Owen when he's on his phone or something and just start rubbing his back. And he'll kind of look at me like, what are you doing? And I'm not going to stop because I'm not, I'm not in his face. It's not too much. I'm not drooling all over him or like breathing on him or like, you know, asking him to tell me everything about his day. It's just, Hey, I'm here. And I, we still have a relationship, even though I know he's not going to turn around and like hug me or something. It's not how it goes right now, but yeah, um, yeah I love that. Okay. Well, my last one is as a mom, I accept and celebrate my kids for who they are. I struggled with this one because I wanted to say, accept everyone for who they are. And then I was like, well, that's not positive enough. I really want to celebrate my kids for who they are. Like I want to celebrate their differences and their quirks and the things that make them uniquely them. Someday celebrating is too much to ask for. And there are personality traits that I will never be able to celebrate in my kids. I'm just going to be honest. So it's like I balance right between like acceptance with celebration being the ultimate pie in the sky goal. Um, And I guess I think this is something where when I had one baby and Jacob was my first, he was an easy baby. He was a sweet baby. And he was really very easy and sweet all through his little kid years. So that was easy, you know? Yeah. Um, then I had a kid who celebrated, oh, he was so celebrated. Then I had a kid who was a lot harder. And then I had a kid who was different from the first hard kid. And then, and then kids who were easy grew up into kids who weren't easy anymore. And they went through phases. And I thought, man, there's like so much going on in my household. There's so many personalities. These are not all people I would be friends with in real life. Like, or not real life, but you know what I mean? Like if I as an adult, that's such a good point. These are not all people who's, who's, personalities or opinions about things I would naturally mesh with. They're very different from me. Sometimes they're very different from each other sometimes, but they are who they are. I can't form them into something they aren't. And there's still 
celebrated members of my family because of who they are. Yeah. And so I, I do have to remind myself of this sometimes because especially as they get older and the choices they make and the mistakes they make, like you can't stop that. They will, we all made mistakes. Didn't matter how much our parents told us not to, we did it anyway. Right. And our personalities lead us into uniquely us mistakes and foibles. And I just have to accept that. And when I can celebrate it, this is another aspirational one. Well, yeah. Um, but it's so, so good. And I was just thinking as you were talking that the celebration part becomes easier when some of the other things we've talked about in both some of your mission statements and mine, when we are taking care of ourselves and being mindful of those, like where our responsibilities stop and not taking things personally, it's actually much easier to celebrate someone's differentness when we have taken care of ourselves and we are not, um, I guess, sacrificing or putting our own needs aside for that person. It's very hard to celebrate someone you feel resentful of. And, and it's, it's there's so there's like weirdly some overlap here, even though it seems very different. And I just, everything else you said, I just so agree with. Well, my very last one is like, I feel like a little bit of an umbrella. It's like a catch-all. It catches all the rest. And it is, as a mom, I contain multitudes. Mm. And I, I need to hear more about this. I love this, but I don't I, know what it means. <laughs> I included this because the whole, this entire episode, we've been sort of saying in a bold way, what kind of mom I am or what kind of mom I want to be. And you touched on it earlier, which is, um, you know, you don't take things personally until that one day when you do, or you give mm-hmm. your kids space to figure things out, except for this one time, because that's not the right choice. And so I think um, I contend toward binary thinking. I contend toward labeling traits as good or bad, or that was then, this is now, or this is the kind of parent I need to be. And then it's a sort of fixed thing. And I, this is another thing that I have worked on a lot in my own work is seeing it all um, as not good, bad, black, white, binary, but actually like tools that I have at my disposal that can be employed on a, a dimmer switch or with a volume control to the degree that it serves me and the people I love. So an example would be like Sarah, me, is very detail-oriented, organized, calendar, uh, talented with the calendar and the schedule. That is not inherently good or bad. I can get down on myself for being rigid and controlling and being um, too much that way. Or I can get down on others for not being the way I am when really it's just a tool I have at my disposal. Sometimes like when the rehearsal schedule comes out for the play that's in three weeks and I have two kids in it, Sometimes I can I can go come guns blazing with that tool that I have in my toolkit. At other times, like on vacation, I can dial that down and I can choose to. Um, and so seeing myself as not like one fixed set of personality attributes, even though we love to talk about our personalities on this show, um, but rather like I contain the ability to completely let go of the schedule or I want to. I want to contain right. that ability and the ability to, um, you know, when you think of things like being soft versus assertive or being nurturing versus, um, whatever the opposite is sort of like boundaried and, and strong, we can contain all of those things 
and as motherhood marches along, get better at employing them at the right volume level. That's really what I want to be able to do and not instead being like, I am this, 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 and this. I am not this, this, this. And this. Well, I love that. And I, I can't even improve on it. Not that I was trying, but um, not that I usually improve on what you say, Sarah, but I don't even have anything to add. I think that was like a perfect statement. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I mean, we always talk about how much we learn from each other, but like working so closely with you, with someone who mothers and operates life pretty differently from me a lot of the time is so instructive because I can see in front of me the different ways to do things and the different ways to be a human. And I actually then can bring those parts out of myself rather than just like, oh, I guess I always have to match up with a Megan so that we've got like the creative visionary so side covered. Each other. No, then it's like, wait, no, I, yeah. I can also allow those things in myself. Yeah. 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 Love it. Well, this was really fun. I did kind of want to mention that there could be a future episode where we kind of talk about family mission statements. I know that is a thing. I'm sure the parenting experts out there are writing about it. We chose to be very motherhood and personally focused today. I think that's a little more on brand for this show and it's more how you and I tend to think. But I would be very open if listeners um, have thought a lot about family mission statements or if you have one or if you've read an author or an expert or listened to a podcast that you think does this really effectively? I would be very open to talking about that on the show, Megan. We would just have, we would approach it very differently. Yeah, agreed. I think that family mission statements can be really powerful. I think you and I have danced around the topic before, but again, ne we've never really dived into it deeply. So yeah. that'd be fun. Well, I enjoyed this a whole lot. Um, we have a really fun More Than Mom coming up this Sunday about our dream businesses and maybe like what it's like to dream of starting a business. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are going to love listening to that one. That will be very fun. And then tomorrow, if you're listening to this right when it drops, tomorrow is our February live episode that happens over on Instagram in the subscriber area. So if you're not familiar, for five bucks a month, you join us on Instagram, you get a full length live episode where you see our faces and we can show you stuff in our houses or in our spaces. Um, and then we also do some fun group chats and things just for subscribers on Instagram. You can also, um, subscribe for a month or two and then unsubscribe. We're very unoffended by that type of thing. So mm -hmm. if you're curious and just want to pop in and catch one of the episodes, that's totally an option and Instagram makes it really easy. So we will link that up or just head to our, um, we're just at the mom hour on Instagram is where you find out how to do that. So we will see everybody tomorrow for those in the subscriber community. Otherwise, we will talk to you on Sunday. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. 
Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. 